Some, some of our families who are in Kentucky on the mission trip, and a lot of folks, of course, at spring break, but I'm thrilled that you're here for this day when I want to summarize, to wrap up, to put a bow on, if you will, the, the Beatitudes, these blessings of Jesus. And, if you, and you can help me if you will take your uh, worship guide and turn the, to the next page after the words of the choir's anthem, and you'll see the title of the message at the top and some notes. If you will follow those, I'd be really tickled, and I'll tell you when to, when to look at those. <clears throat> I want to begin with a story that um, actually I, I began the whole series with, so let me tell it again. It was from Soren Kierkegaard, the famous Danish theologian and the master of analogy. He said that, he said one night a, a man broke into a department store, but he didn't, he didn't steal anything and he didn't, um, didn't destroy anything. He just rearranged the price tags on the merchandise so that the next day when the shoppers came, they were delighted to find that Really expensive things like diamond jewelry had a price tag of just a few dollars, and then the cheap stuff, costume jewelry and so on, had big price tags on them. Kierkegaard said that Jesus did something like that when he walked to the earth, and, and he, he shuffled the, the price tags, if you will. He upended those things we, we consider valuable and those things we consider of lesser value. In the Jesus way of life, uh, down is up, and little is big, and poor is rich, and the first is last. Nowhere are all those things more evident, this upending of, the, of our value system, n nowhere is that more evident than in the Beatitudes, these blessings. In the Beatitudes, those who come out on top are the the ones who are meek, the ones who are poor in spirit, those who mourn, and so on. Jesus redefined success. Would you look down at your uh, bulletin, please, and you'll see that in the Jesus way of life, success is measured in such words as gentleness, kindness, humility, service, and vulnerability. In the Jesus way, it's okay not to win everything. In the Jesus way, it's okay not to impress everybody. In the Jesus way, it's okay not to be on top of the world all the time. In the Jesus way, it's okay not to be an alpha dog. You know the alpha dog, right? In the canine world, the alpha dog is usually the strongest. If we, we, we usually associate alpha dogs with wild dogs, a pack of wild dogs. And the alpha dog is the one that decides, do we move, do we stay, do we attack, do we not? The alpha dog is the protector and the decision maker, and that's in the canine world. In the human world, we also talk about alpha dogs. Could be man, could be a woman, but the alpha dog is the one who is, uh, you know, assertive, uh, aggressive, uh, confident, dominating, maybe even domineering, impressive, maybe even intimidating. You know, the the personality, you know the one, right? The, the world value, our world value, values alpha dogs. Jesus, on the other hand, talked a great deal about the underdog. 
Jesus said some things that sound very anti-alpha dogish. Just minutes after the Beatitudes, Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him or her the other cheek. And if, if someone demands that you give them your shirt, then give them your coat also. And if somebody demands that you go with them a mile, go with them two miles. Jesus said in Matthew 23, those famous words, the greatest among you will be your diakonos, your servant. In Luke 14, Jesus said, if you go to a wedding feast, don't go to the head table and sit. Take a place at a lower table. Go to the back of the room and sit. Now, if they call you up, that's great, but, but take your place first at a lower table, for he said, the one who exalts himself will be humbled, and the ones who, one who humbles himself will be exalted. Our culture loves alpha dogs. Jesus, however, said a lot of things that sound rather anti-alpha dogish, and none is, never is that more evident than in these Beatitudes. By the way, our, our culture has its own Beatitudes. They're on your, they're on your outline there. We call, let me call them the Meatitudes. Blessed are the self-confident, for they will not need others. Blessed are those who hide their hurts, for everyone will think they have it all together. Blessed are the self-assured, for they will be admired by many. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for power and recognition, for they will be popular. Blessed are the ruthless, for they can use people as tools. Blessed are the deceitful, for they can change masks depending on the situation. Blessed are the aggressive ones, for they will get their way. Blessed are those who talk of their faith only at church, for they will not be labeled as fanatics. That's our cultural beatitudes, the meatitudes, the blessed are the alpha dogs. Jesus, on the other hand, said, well, blessed are the underdogs. Let's look briefly at those Beatitudes of Jesus, one by one. They're on, in your bulletin. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means not proud, not self-sufficient. Blessed are those who mourn, a willingness to deal with our shame and our grief and not to try to hide our shame and grief behind stoic smiles. Blessed are the meek, those who have the power to hurt others, to take others down, but they refrain, they restrain for the sake of the greater good. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not those who hunger and thirst for power, and those who are more interested in what is right than in who is right. Blessed are the merciful, not blessed are those who take no prisoners. Blessed are the pure in heart, not nice guys finish last. Not, or blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the dividers. Blessed are those who are persecuted, not those who are afraid. Blessed are those who are willing to be unpopular at best and to be killed at worst for the sake of Jesus. You see the difference between the me-attitudes and the be-attitudes. In the Jesus way of life, if you'll continue following, success is not in rushing boldly to the front of the line, but in moving quickly to the back of the line, quietly to the back of the line. Success is not in tooting one's own horn, but in tooting the horns of others. Success is not in leading for the glory of leading, but in serving for the satisfaction of serving. Success is not in enacting vengeance, but in exercising mercy. Success is not in hiding one's weaknesses, but in acknowledging one's vulnerability. 
Success comes not in looking out for one's own interests, but seeking the interests of others. Success comes not in demanding one's fair share, but in sharing more than what seems fair. You might remember that in the beginning of these Beatitudes, I talked about the word blessed, that the the original word in the Greek language is makarios. And makarios is hard to translate into English. It's hard to to take just one word and, and, and include all the, the breadth and the depth of that, that word. Some translations of the Bible say happy, you know, happy are the meek and so on. But happy doesn't quite get it. Jesus is talking about something more significant, something more profound, something more lasting. Makarios, blessed, is a contentment that runs deeper than your valley and lasts longer than your party. Contentment is a peace that will sit with you in the hospital and stand with you in the unemployment line. Makarios, blessed, is a, a strength that will hold your hand in divorce court and hold you up at the funeral of one you deeply loved. Makarios is, is lasting, it is profound, it is deep. Now, if there is a happy, you know, there is a temporary happiness, and, and frankly, being the, the alpha dog is, is kind of cool, and, you know, there is some at least temporary joy in being admired by others and applauded by others and receiving the adulation of others, but if you're looking for something deeper, something more lasting, something more profound, it's not in, it's not in, the, it's not in being the alpha dog. It's in being the, the underdog. Let me illustrate that with a, a confession. At age 42, I became the pastor of a fairly large and well-known uh, Virginia Baptist church in Richmond. And I immediately began to model my ministry, my pastorate, after a well-known megachurch pastor. I used to listen to his monthly CDs. Those were the days before podcasts. You'd get a CD in the mail, and listen. I'd listen to it faithfully. His his model of of the pastorate was uh, the pastor as CEO, chief executive officer. And I, I drank deeply at his well. It, it, it felt good to be the, to see myself as the chief executive officer. Our church there, like this church here, filled with a lot of corporate leaders, you know, government leaders and engineers and so on. And, and so it felt good to feel like I was part of the leadership culture. You know, the word pastor means shepherd, and that seemed kind of lame. It's just shepherd. But now leader. So I, I filled my, the shelves on my library were filled with books on leadership, from Jesus to, um, to Jack Welch. Remember Jack Welch, the late uh, CEO of GE? I had a, 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 a poster. It was just a, I don't know, maybe 11 by 16, right above my computer, I, my computer desk faced the wall, so when I faced my computer right above that, I had a, a poster, a small poster uh, of, of an alpha 
wolf, which is even more alpha than the alpha dog. The alpha wolf was standing majestically atop a mountain with lesser wolves behind him. And the caption underneath the picture was leadership. And so, I, I modeled myself after, or, or took that as my model of, of, of pastoring, and it didn't work well. The one who actually, at whose well I drank, actually ended up leaving uh, the ministry under the cloud of a scandal. Now, that didn't happen to me. I didn't leave under the cloud of a scandal. I didn't get fired, and the church didn't split and all that. But, but here's what I missed. I missed relationships. I missed the intimacy of, of being a shepherd. And so, when, I, when you gave me the opportunity to be, to be your pastor several years ago, I decided I would do it differently. Now, it, hurt, it helps to have Debbie Bell, the business administrator, and Judd Reasons, the executive pastor, who do so much of the, of the administrative things that, that just so important. But, but it has allowed me to have a more intimate relationship with you. Now, it's, it's impossible to have an intimate relationship with everybody with a church this complex, but, but I've enjoyed that so much. And it's not so much, it's not that I haven't had to make hard decisions, even costly decisions, but it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's not so much the role, but the, the heart, my attitude. I just feel like it's, it just feels so much better to not try and be the alpha dog. Jesus, as it turns out, knew what he was talking about. That it's okay not to win every time and it's okay not to impress everybody all the time. It's okay. It's okay to be the, the underdog. I wonder if some of us are just trying so hard to be the alpha dog. Once upon a time, there was a man uh, named Carl who was a wealthy landowner. Carl uh, lived in a big house in the valley and owned everything in the valley. <clears throat> he owned the land. He owned the houses. There were a lot of tenant farmers, a lot of tenant farmers that worked the land that Carl owned, and he owned all the houses that the tenant farmers lived in. He owned the fields where the crops were. He owned the, the livestock in the fields. He owned the entire massive valley. And Carl loved to ride around on his horse and survey all the things uh, that were his. One day, Carl, the wealthy landowner, was riding around on his horse when he, when he came upon old Hans. Hans, a tenant farmer, was having lunch under a great oak tree, and so Carl rode up. Hans was bowed in prayer, and when he finished, looked up, and Carl was there, the Hans, the old tenant farmer, said, oh, Mr. Carl, I, I was just thanking God for my lunch. And Hans, or Carl, the landowner, looked, it was just a lunch of bread and cheese. And Carl, the wealthy landowner, said, hmm, if that's all I had, I don't think I'd be very grateful for it. Well, it's, it's quite enough, said Hans, the, the tenant farmer. And the tenant farmer said, sir, it's, it's odd that you would come by. For I had a 
had a dream about you last night. And I, I'm not sure what it means, but I feel I should tell you. He said, sir, I, it was, there was beauty and music and peace all around in this dream. But I heard a voice say, the wealthiest man in the valley will die tonight. So he said, I just feel like I should, I should tell you. I don't know what it means, sir. I just feel like I should tell you. Huh. Dreams. Nonsense. Said Carl, the wealthy landowner, and he turned around and galloped off in a huff. When he got home, he thought to himself, that's ridiculous. It's just a, an old tenant farmer in his silly dream. But he couldn't shake those words, the wealthiest man in the valley will die tonight. And he was nervous, so he, he called his doctor, sent for the doctor, had the doctor come make a house call. And he said, doctor, I, I know it's silly, but old Hans had, that, had this dream, said the wealthiest man in the valley is going to die tonight. Would you make sure I'm okay? So he gave him a physical, and he said, man, you're as healthy as your horse, Carl. There's nothing wrong with you. And and he said, you're safe here at home. It's safe here. Nothing's going to happen. But if you want me to, I'll, I'll just I'll stay with you just to make you feel better. So he did. The doctor stayed with Carl, the wealthy landowner. And in fact, stayed the whole night with him. They played cards all night long. The next morning, as uh, the sun rose, Carl, the wealthy landowner, expressed how embarrassed he was. I'm sorry, doctor, I made you come out. I'm sorry I inconvenienced you. I'm sorry I made you sit up with me all night. And the doctor uh, rode back home. Carl, the wealthy landowner, was still standing in the door when a messenger arrived. Sir, he said, I've got sad news. It's Hans, the tenant farmer. He died last night in his sleep. The wealthiest man in the valley was not the, the alpha dog, but the underdog. I, I wonder if we, if we get things all mixed up, I wonder if we might not ought at the, at the conclusion of this series on the Beatitudes to remember the the Jesus way is different from the cultural way. And the Beatitudes are different from the Meatitudes. I wonder if anybody's trying too hard to be impressive and to win all the time. Trying too hard to be assertive and aggressive and intimidating when in fact that, that kick, that joy from, uh, from being admired is temporary and shallow. For those of you who are looking for real contentment and deep peace and for a, a satisfaction that, that lasts, maybe we'd do well to remember the life of, of the underdog.